That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the beginning. And even though we started, we're still talking about the beginning. We have a lot to talk about the beginning. It's very exciting. There are many, many things to talk about this year, in future years. Yes, about Tzadik. Shmir Sakadusha, Shmir Sabriz. Since we last met, things haven't gotten easier in the world. Things haven't gotten less complicated. V'cholzos, we believe in creation. And we believe in what the tzaddikim have revealed to us, that every year is a kaima chadosh, is a different world, mamish, a different, a different metzias. The kid looks like the same kid, we feel like we're the same parents, it's a different metzias. We can make it a lot better than it's been in the past. It can be very different than it's been in the past. So we're talking about creation, creation of a child. And the creation of a child, physically, that the child comes into the world, that miracle of birth, that's the least complicated. That's the least complicated part of creation, the child being born. We were learning before, before <coughs> the break, we were learning the Seid HaTzimtzum, not Kabbalistically, that's not the Tachlis of, of the Shiurim. What we were learning how, in order to create a new <coughs> world, in order to create the world of that child, which we were made responsible for by our Creator, in order to create that world of that child, the parents, and particularly the father, needs to be mitzam same as or. Just reviewing for a few minutes, for five, ten minutes, needs to needs to take a step back, to take a step back, to create an empty space in which the child learns to use his own bechira, his mind, his heart, to mature in that chalal ha'panuhi, in that empty space of the father being mitzamtzim his or, the father holding his light back. In that empty space, and again I'm talking to people I know are familiar with this farm, so I'm not going to go back to Aleph. But in that, um, in that empty space, of course, Hashem didn't vacate creation in order to create. Hashem hides, conceals His overwhelming presence. But as you all know, in that empty space, there's a kav shel or. There's a ray of God's presence. Just enough so that we feel that He's here, He cares. Many people could even forget that, but a sense of His presence... It's unclear to us exactly what that means, but we try to learn more and more about what that kav, that ray of his presence, means to us. As far as creating our children, with the help of Hashem, if we partner his parents and Kaddish Baruch Hu, as far as that's concerned, the kav is expressed, is manifested in what is called in Hebrew, 
I guess in modern Hebrew, Hatsavat Gvulim. Hatsavat Gvul means establishing healthy boundaries in a child's life. Hatsavat Gvulim. Hatsavat Gvulim means, in simple Mamalashan, rules and regulations. <coughs> rules and regulations. The world is not Hefke. The Banishlam didn't disappear. He just looks like he's not. He looks like he's not here. But anybody who has a discerning eye and a Jewish heart knows that he is. The Rishimu of God's presence, the same way the parent, the Rishimu of Hashem's presence, leaves an imprint upon each and every one of us and upon the entire, entire world and the entire universe. And so we have to do our best to take a step back while figuring out a way, which we'll talk about, again, this is not a parenting class, it's all to lead to the conversations and to enable us to have the conversations regarding the sugi of Shemir Zabis, which we're going to be talking about for months and years. It's a shame. <coughs> if the parents, if the father in particular, take, to take a step back, <coughs> to allow the child to have a feeling of himself and growing in his space and so on, the most that we learned from the Torah is es We spoke about that before the summer. Our job is to be able to set things up in such a way where <coughs> when we take the step back and we give enough oxygen for the child's flame to burn on its own for the rest of his life. The same way that when Hashem created the world, that kav of light and the Rishimu and the residue of his presence gives us the ability to live till 120 as people who are inspired, who are excited, who have a relationship with God. So too, ideally it should be with our children. If we do not establish boundaries with our children, there's something very, very comfortable. It's very easy for us to look at ourselves as tzaddikim and to say that we have this new mahalach of 2016 of Tashin Ayin Zayin, which is soft parenting, and the kids or the inmates are running the asylum, and it's Hefka, and that's my method of parenting. My method of parenting is to let the kid do whatever he wants. That's not a method of parenting. That's called Hefkeris. Hashem Baruch was not mafkir the world. There's a particular, there's a specific plan in how Hashem Baruch makes the world. Hashem Baruch despises anarchy. Hashem hates anarchy. He despises churban. Anarchy, anarchy and churban are one and the same. Hashem adores, loves seder, order. He loves din. Oyhev mishpat. He loves din. He loves seder. But Hashem's Baruch is very smart, and he knows he knows exactly when to use din, when to insist upon seder, and when it's something which is not kedai to insist upon seder. And he's meshatif the midas harachemim, the midas harachemim to give space, to give room. There are expressions. In Kabbalah and Chassidus, there's mati velomati, to be touching and not to be touching. Hashem's Baruch 
is in the world and leaves the world, so to speak, not Mamish, but steps back. It's the beginning of the Torah. Ruach Elokim Merachefes means that Hashem is telling us that in order for us to create lives for our children, we too have to have Elokim, which is Din, which are Gvulim, which are boundaries and rules and regulations. But it has to be, Elokim has to be in a way of being Merachefes. Merachefes, which Chazal tells us, is Mati Vlomati. Like the bird on the nest. Merachefes in such a way where when it comes to the most important areas of life, the parents must become involved. <coughs> the parents have to lay down very clear boundaries or else the child will descend into Tovavo. So the parents must have rules and regulations and boundaries and mostly the way that they live and the way that they present themselves. I'm not talking about speeches. Speeches are the least effective when it comes to kids. Speeches are the least effective. They, that's when they roll their eyes on, the, on how it's Shia number 4,255. Responsibility. <laughs> having now the responsibility schmooze. It's now the responsibility schmooze. You don't brush your teeth, you don't get out of bed, you don't go to daven, you don't do that. Now have the responsibility, schmooze. And the kid sits there and he goes, okay. He knows the whole thing by heart. He could even say, you know, your, your nusach and your jokes, and he could do the whole thing. And how, of course, you understand this is for your good. He knows all the, they know all this stuff. The, uh, the, the parents must, primarily through how they behave and how they act, Make it clear that this is a this is a specific, this is a specific mahalach in life. That you might have friends that have, from their families, different mahalachim, but this is who we are, and this is our understanding of what Hashem wants from us, and whatever He wants from you and from us, is, it's one and the same. And therefore, when it comes to the bigger things in life, there needs to be that feeling of the kav that ray of my father and mother's presence, of that light. They need to feel that the parents care about what's going on, and the parents are there, and the parents are telling them what they feel and what they think the gvula must be. But when it comes to the smaller things, now this is where it gets tricky, what's big and what's small. Like a kid <coughs> says, I want to have an iPhone. Is that big or is that small? Well, he's uh, 14, whatever, now it could be 9 or 10. I want to have an iPhone. Everybody in my class has an iPhone. So is this is this a big Indian? If it's a big Indian, then Hashem is whispering into the ear and saying, "Or, or light, or make sure to illuminate your child's life, set the laws, set the boundaries, have a conversation, have a discussion, work it through." or or is this an Indian, or is this a, or is this in the category of a smaller Indian, where the Rosh of Hashem is? for you to remain kel mistater, a God who is hidden. And to, and to, uh, and this, and that this is a smaller union that qualifies as something which is part of the, part of the cholol uh, of that feeling that the kid has of, of the empty space. 
because the child must feel must feel that he has that ability that he has that ability to make his own decisions and despite the fact that mommy and I that the two of us who are the source of or in your life despite the fact that the two of us are telling you that these are our expectations these are the boundaries these are the rules this is the time that you have to be in the house at night these are the, these, the, to these places you cannot go there are certain homes that you cannot you cannot go to. There are certain things that you can't do. There are certain instruments that you can't have. There are other things that you can have. The kid needs to feel that the, that the intervention of parents, the or that comes from the parents, is secondary to that sense that he has that my parents trust in me, and my parents my parents want me to make my own choices, and my parents respect my my feelings, my parents just respect my need for independence and and my parents and my parents love me and they want me to take a cries for my own life, not to, to dictate to me uh, not to dictate to me a, uh, a life of, of rules and regulations so we don't have to be afraid of establishing boundaries and making rules. And there's no contradiction between trusting a child and, and as parents, having these rules. Other it's just the opposite. In Panemius, and we'll learn more about this as we go along, specifically in the area of Kedusha Sabris, the child is chalishing, is desperate to, to be helped, to have help. He does not want to live a life of anarchy and have cares. And the child is looking for us for help, he's looking to us for help and in order to be able to find himself he needs us to give certain guidelines and directions the problem begins is when the ch- is when it was when a kid begins to feel that all my thing is with my parents, all they're about are rules and regulations now of course kids are immature and you have certain kids that you tell them one rule one thing, like one gvul and he already says, oh this is like, oh, this is terrible my parents are, my parents are, are you know, this is a uh, this is, you know, Paro, my father's Paro, and he tells me my, my mother's Ezevel or something. <laughs> and, and, the, and these are the rules and regulations of my life, and that's all that they are about. If, if the kid feels that way, that he has no cholol panui, there's no emuna in him, that there's no trust in him, then, then it's very, very dangerous. That's what's happening to a lot of the families these days. A lot of the kids, the parents don't understand because they feel... We're such lifting of people. We're giving so much ur to our children. We're giving them so much. We're sharing with them so much of our deeper thoughts and our deeper feelings and, and what we believe is right and so on. But the kid the kid is being is being overwhelmed by that light and there's a Shriza Kalim, which happens when there's a ribuy of ur and there's too much light and the kid doesn't have the Kalim and the kid feels that there's no khalala pony that pony that the parents don't give him any place, any room to make his own decisions and to exercise his own free will. Therefore, one of the hardest things for parents is this avodah of tzimtzum, of being quiet, of watching kids doing crazy things, of listening to kids saying ridiculous, naive things, of having the savlonis through those years when they're 14, 15, 16, where they think that they know everything and you know that this is just crazy. It's crazy, but you have to pick your fights. 
and, I, and it's not a matter of picking a fight. You have to pick those essential areas of life which are going to make the greatest Roshim on him in order to establish those boundaries. But on the smaller things, again, how to determine that, we're not going to go into right now, what's big and what's small. The problem, the problem that parents have is that they, they uh, want to accelerate the process of the child's maturing. They want very much to accelerate that process. They want it to end very quickly. Anybody who has teenage children, not anybody, because there's some that, like I was talking about yesterday, we were learning at Tarif there's some children that they just come and they're like, they're easy, you know? They're just easy. They're easy when they're two, when they're easy when they're 12 and 15. They just go like that under the chuppah, and they're just like very, very easy. There's a small mute of kids like that, very small. If you have one, and that's a big mazel, and it probably has nothing to do with you. It's that whatever, mice and efforts, that you to have such an neshama came into your home, you look at this kid, and you say, I don't know. know, Because the other kid, on the same parent, and the the other kid is giving you so much aggravation, this kid is like, yes, daddy, yes, everything's okay, right, sure. Yeah, what time is davening, daddy, you know. (laughs) There are kids like that, but there are very few. There are very few neshamas, the hyphen and neshamas that come to the world in such a way. There are very few. Mostly it's not like that. And <coughs> and and the parents very, very much, especially father and son, would very want, much want those years between Bar Mitzvah and, and Chuppah to make those years just like to happen very, very quickly and to move it into to a higher, like on a blender, to you know, <laughs> some higher speed on the, on the thing, to finish that Kufa. But our desire to make the immaturity go away, our desire to make that happen quickly is what is pogea most, is what damages the children the most, the boys. They get very, very hurt by that. See, the, 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 the problem is like this. The problem is that we, we, something happens to us. At some point, we just, we, we forget that we were kids. We just forget. We forget. Imamish, it's it's like we rewrite our own history. Of course, we know that the, that we slipped up in this and we did that and we tried to get away with this and we all have these like funny stories about hey when I was in school you know. But on a deeper level, as far as as far as how that comes out in more compassion, which we'll talk a lot about compassion, Mitzvah Tiferes, the meat of Tiferes, how that comes out in in being more patient with the children. It's it, it, we seem to have forgotten. So what happens to the kid is the following: the kid, the kid is just trying to. He's just going by mitzvah time. He's getting a little bit older than by mitzvah. He's starting to mature physically. Also, we spoke a lot about this, and he remembers that when he was little, everything he did was so like cute to his parents. They couldn't like they, uh, fathers like pinching him and holding him, and he's so cute, and. And everything was and everything was great, and even though he was mischievous, and he did stuff that little kids do, but his father and parents they were they overlooked it. Or they saw, or they even thought it was cute. They thought it was funny, you know. Uh, like you'll have this. My wife says you'll have people. It could be like you know, Kol Nidre, and some mother will come with a kid into the shul. The kid is like. Uh, crashing, complaining, and throwing candy, and the mother and the grandmother sitting there quelling. <laughs> you know, like all the other people are, are, are trying to daven. The mother and the grandmother don't see bechlal that there's uh, anything wrong with this. This is this is beautiful. This is what children do, and they're right. They're all right, but the the point is that the child 
is coming out of a period of life where he could do nothing wrong. And everything was cute. Okay, he was making some trouble. But any trouble that he made, there was mechila, there was slich mechila kapar right away. And everything was gewaldic. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's getting these speeches about being serious with life. You're ready, you're ready bar mitzvah. You're already bar mitzvah. Those words, I don't know how many times they've been used in history. Right? You're already, you're already you know, that means you're, you're putting on film. You're ready, you know, you're an adult. So being an adult is serious. Ipuk means you have to be in control of yourself. You can't do these things and so on. The kid is feeling more and more 13, 14, 15 years old. He's hearing a lot of these speeches. He sees his father's looks. He comes late to shul. He doesn't want to go to shul. You see how, you see how boys don't want to be with their fathers in shul. It's a very, very common thing now. I don't remember that when we were younger. It wasn't, it wasn't so much like that. We used to go play around in shul. But we felt that we belonged with our fathers. That's not anymore. They'll do anything to get away from their fathers. You see here, you could come here, I'm here, Shabbos morning, you come at 7 o'clock in the morning. So, there, so there's a hashkam, and it starts at 7.15. There's always, a, a, there's always an army of boys that are walking in the hallway. They don't want to come to regular minion because that's, you know, two and a half hours, and that's uh, whatever, and uh, Baltrila, and Adrasha. They don't want to be in that hole. They don't, because they're not, because that's not for them. They don't really feel that connection, and it's a big pain in the neck. They understand they have to go to shul, but they don't really be, want to be part of a whole big, dramatic, you know, service. They don't want that. So then they have this thing called hashkam minyan. So now this is, there's a little bit of a problem, because hashkam minyan means I, I usually I would sleep until somebody wakes me up. That could be weeks or months. <laughs> I would sleep. But now we have this, we have this uh, dichotomy, we have this, we have this stira. There's, on the one hand, the kid wants to be able to have davened, to be oiske davened. He wants to be able to have davened, to be able to prove to his father that he's a man, that he davened, and to, that he did what he's supposed to do. It has nothing to do with God. It has to do with his father, that he, that he davened. On the other hand, the shum oifin, he does not want to be part of a big synagogue thing. So somebody came up with a hashkav minion idea some years ago. You know, I mean, the Shulam Nebuchadnezzar, they came up with this idea. Which there are, there are adult men also that might use it in this way a little bit also. But it's mostly with the kids. Adults have other cheshbainas, but uh, I also like that. I, love, I would love to daven in uh, Vesikin. That's why I like to daven. But there are other cheshbainas, but with the kid, it's very, very clear. The kid has this problem. I really don't want to daven, but I have to go daven. How do I make it as least painful as possible? And still be ois gedaven. <coughs> And I, was like, I, I did it. I davened. They do not. They do not want to have their fathers looking at them. How much they're looking in the sitter. They don't want their fathers because they know their father every minute is looking to see whether he's looking in the sitter. The fathers are looking every minute to see where is he? Is he davening? Is he not davening? What time did he come? Didn't he come? So you have this new thing. The kids will. But now the problem is they don't want to get up at at, at seven o'clock. They don't get a problem. Now, what's going on, a lot of these minyanim all around the Jewish world, the Orthodox world, is that you have hashkam uh, minyanim where, like when I was, I was in Yerushalayim, I davened, I mentioned this, I davened in a shul, it's in Shari Chesed, and I davened because my nephew, I wanted to be with my nephew. So I, I really like a certain shtibel, but I wanted to be with my nephew. So I davened in that shul together. And uh, it's a very fine shul in Shari Chesed. 
and uh, we davened at the uh, we davened at the uh, seven o'clock minyan, Shabbos morning. I'd say two thirds of the oilum only came at around ten to eight. Eight. I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about the adults. Eight o'clock, and then they finished by you know, a quarter, a quarter to nine. The, come on, they finished. Now, the effect this has on the kids is very obvious, but even without the parents, even without the fathers, even without the uh, disappearing men, <coughs> the the kid does not want to get up early, but at the same time, he does not want, and not, not wanting to be in a big shul and the whole thing with his father is much stronger. So what ends up happening is kids, boys, are going to more and more hashkam minyanim. They don't want to be in the minyan, so they'll, they'll like dray around in the halls, they'll come later, they'll walk downstairs. and This is going on everywhere. It's not, it's everywhere. I talk to friends of mine in other places, and they tell me it's going on everywhere. <coughs> there are exceptions, of course, but this Indian of feeling, of basking in my father's light, which I'll tell you the truth is that to me it was the greatest privilege. I'm not saying this, I'm a goody-goody. I was a regular kid, but to me it was the biggest cover to stand next to my father. It was the biggest covet of my life to be next to my father. I miss those days of being next to my father in Davani. And, and, and the kids nowadays, they don't want that. They just don't want that because that's the or. And they're looking for chol ha'panoi. That's why the teen minyanim, you have to have these things. That's why you'll have places you know, that they'll go to other places. They'll tell the father, I went to Davani in this show, I went to Davani in that show. They, they did say Shimon maybe they said creation, they said Shimon There are also some, usually some girls over there in other places, and they see some friends, and they hang out, and so on. But they, they davened, there's ois gedavent, I, I davened. But, but I don't want to be in my father's orbit. I don't want my father to watch me. Because what's hurting them very, very much is the feeling of their fathers always being disappointed in them. Because when they daven, they, they'll come late to daven, because they usually do. They usually will come late to daven. Or there's a lot of tension in the house getting the kid out of bed to be on time with daddy to daven. There's a lot of tension. A lot of tension. So a lot of the fathers feel, you know what, just go daven wherever you like. Just go daven wherever you like. I'm not going to be late to shul because of you. I'm standing here waiting for you for a half hour. You should get up. Whatever. I'm just going to go daven. You go daven whatever you like. Come, do whatever you like. So they don't want to come late to shul because daddy, this, when they walk next to daddy, they already feel that energy of what a disappointment you are. And then, and then, and Daddy's checking all the time to see where, where he's holding in the sitter. You know, to have that way of looking. Like, why are you looking in your sitter? Like, to, and they, to see where your kid is in the davening, whether he's davening, why they come in, why they go out, and so on. So the children, the boys, are constantly feeling that that um, that they're disappointing their fathers. And since they love their fathers, they love their fathers. Their mamas are crazy about their fathers. They can't stand disappointing them. It hurts them to disappoint their fathers. So they'd rather, it's amazing, they'd rather get up at 7 in the morning, which for a teenage boy to get up at 7 in the morning, it's an amazing thing. You see that by men too, there's some men, I mentioned this, you see some men that then they like to go down, the, any other time they could dive in at 9 o'clock in the morning, they'll have at 9 o'clock in the morning. But then Shabbos morning, they'll go to dive in someplace at 7 o'clock. Because they also don't want to be part of something and so on. It's also a feeling of, the same thing we have, the boys have with, with, with their fathers, we have with Avinu Shabbat You understand? I'm just not going into that right now. It's the same Indian. That's why I'm talking about creation of the world and creation of the home. It's the same Indian. 
whatever our sons do to us and the weird things that go on between the kids and us, we do to our father. You understand? It's the same thing with the Barishan. Same thing. Because we feel that he's looking to see if we're davening. So we'd, we'd, we'd rather go someplace else. <laughs> the problem is, yeah, he, goes, he can't get away from him. This makes it very complicated. Uh, uh, the father's on earth, we can get away from him. We can figure out some, some plan. But the Venus of Bishamayim, we can't get away from him. So then people, just we try not to think that he's watching. Yeah. We try not to think that he's watching. So because of, because of our exaggerated and unrealistic <coughs> expectations, the kids are feeling, the boys are feeling always disappointed, that, we're dis- that they're disappointing us. And therefore, the ikir for the parents now, and this we're going to talk about in Panemius, we learn from Rav Kook, and from the Lashem, and a little bit maybe Rabbi Nachman, if we have time. The ikir is that the parents have to know that this time of life, in touch and eye and zayin, I know that it was not like this 25 years ago. I'm not going to keep on coming back to that. So don't say, but my father, my grandfather, because I'm the, I'm the king in making those speeches about how it used to be. My wife is always telling me, like, you know, can we, can we move forward? And, and I'm trying to. At least in my learning, and my understanding of things, I'm trying to move forward. It's much easier as a grandfather, obviously, than as a father. But whatever used to be, forget it. That, that boys were, became men when they were 13, 14 years old, and my, my grandfather was already working when he was 15, and he was like, you know, plowing the fields when he was 16, and he had a family when he was 17, and he was uh, the president of the shul when he was 18. All those talks, forget it, it's, it's profound. Uh, that's done. It's not happening anymore. Uh, same way no one's telling the kids that, you know, that, uh, you know, George Washington uh, uh, never told a lie, and Abe Lincoln walked 10 miles in the, in the snow to go to school, you know, <laughs> I saw this summer the kids don't even ride on regular bicycles anymore they go like on electric things you know what I'm saying so forget about it nobody's walking 10 miles to go to school they're not even going on a regular bicycle they got some they got some thousand dollar electric thing that they just zip around the, uh, no, they don't have to pedal anymore so forget about that there's no the, uh, that's, that's done there's no George Washington Abe Leak and whoever your role models are where you want to use it's just not it's not going to happen to say the Chavetz Chaim, he was shoveling snow at four in the morning, so everybody come to shul, and you're lying here, you didn't help me once to shovel the snow, there's four feet of snow, you're lying there in bed like a, like a golem, how come you couldn't help me a little bit? Don't you know that Chavetz Chaim shoveled the whole snow for the whole town, when the whole town was sleeping? It's like, he looks so out of your mind. Chavetz Chaim, man. <laughs> not going to shovel the snow. <laughs> so you could try all the Chavaz Chaim talks and how to all the uh, Lincoln and Washington things. It's, uh, that's not where we're holding. The Mitzvah says that before Mashiach comes, we need to understand, and we're going to learn this in Panemius, we'll get to next time, that that this age, <clears throat> this age of the years between Bar Mitzvah and Hasana, and unfortunately, often beyond Hasana, sometimes quite a few years beyond Hasana, but it's but primarily the years of 13 to 20, which the Sfarim say every year is much like 10 years of a person's life, that those years between 13 and 20 are years of a ma'avar. In Hebrew, what does ma'avar mean? A transition. It's not it. See, we, will, we want it to be it. We want to see our sons already mature. Ki'ilu, we were so mature. But we want our sons to be there when they're 15, 16. 
And we tell them that they should be making their decisions and they should be doing like this and they should be doing like that, but we're constantly criticizing them for the wrong decisions and the wrong <coughs> things that they're doing. The truth is, it's a ma'avar. They're not there. And every ma'avar, every transition, every transition is a state of or v'choyshach ha'vishamshim b'irbuvia. Every time of transition is a time where, where darkness and light are together. That's what the definition of this time is. As far as the kids are concerned, it's a time when one moment the kid will be acting like a really mature, responsible person and be taking things seriously. And then a minute later, it's like he's like a three-year-old. He's like, man, like a three-year-old. <coughs> it's a time of or that's how creation began. There was darkness upon the depths, and the Medrash says on the Pasuk, It says in Kahelis, That Hashem had a time, the exact time, when to create everything. This is the guiding light of our generation and of how to raise children. Hashem <laughs> created the world exactly at the time that it needed to be created. The world, it was not time for the world to be created. One second, one millisecond before, Reish Zerolakim was not time. Mikan, we learn one of the deepest secrets of Kabbalah, which Rabbi Abo says in the Medrash, which, the, of course, in the Kisve I read, there's a whole section on this in you. Mikan, that before Hashem created the world that we're living in, this world that we're in right now, Hashem created worlds and destroyed worlds. Until He created the worlds that we're in right now, and so on, the worlds that we're in right now, Hashem is He created worlds and He destroyed worlds. And there is, of course, much discussion about what was, what were those worlds about? What what does it mean? And typically, when a person learns this just in the Medrash, and maybe saw like a discussion in, in, in some Hashkafa book or something, but it's without learning the Kisve Hari, without learning it properly and in depth, so the impression that one gets is that this is something that happened in the past. That there were Olamas, the Charuven, or the Charaven, there were destroyed worlds, and then, then like Ki'il Hashem was experimenting. He said, I'll try this. No, nah, it's not good. I'll try this. It's not good. I'll try this. And then the British made this one. He said, yeah, this is rather good. This is good. This is good. So when you read the Medrash in a very, very simple way, the impression you get is that the worlds that were destroyed is a matter of the past. It's something that once was and no longer is. So... <clears throat> That's not true. That's not true. When you learn, when you learn the sugya properly, 
the Indian of Tahu Vavahu, of those worlds that were built, those worlds that were created and destroyed, of Aharasaisa Savavahu, means that those worlds of Tahu Vavahu are still at the basis, at the core of our present existence. The same way that when a child goes through certain traumatic things, even as an infant, as a little one, at the basis, at the core of that child's existence, there's a certain tohu vavohu. There are worlds that were destroyed, built and destroyed, built and destroyed. That the that is talking about those primordial worlds of tohu vavohu. The Leshem explains in his magnificent introduction to the Sefer Hadea, if you have an eye for these things and if you have some familiarity with this type of Torah, then it was very good to learn the Leshem Sagdom. We're going to do a tiny piece of it, Mishashem, next week. In the Leshem. In the Klach Pesachachim from the Ramchal, Lamed Vav, Lamed Zayn, in the Klach. who are all trying to explain, these tzaddikim are trying to bring down into our way of understanding and thinking what Arizal is talking about. The, those worlds of Tohu and Vohu, those worlds of, that were built and destroyed, are always, are always present. Are always present. When we understand a little bit more about Tohu and Vohu and the worlds that were destroyed, then we'll know that those worlds were a ma'avar, were a transition, and still are a transition to the present world. And for our children, the teenage years, those years of adolescence, the teenage years of tohu vavohu, those teenage years are, are, are the years in between being a little kid and being an adult. The universe had a time where it was in between being a little kid and being an adult, and the Svarim bring, the Arizal talks about the seven times that Hashem created the universe, worlds, and then seven times that Hashem destroyed, and that this world is the eighth, Kivyochel, the eighth attempt, not talking about God failing. There's the eighth, we're now in the eighth version, version the eighth edition, the eighth edition of creation. The Oilamas of Tikkun, the worlds of Tikkun, and the world, the primordial world of Tohu, are not two separate places. When you learn Panimis Torah, you realize, you begin to realize that, <coughs> that those two worlds exist simultaneously right now in our lives. There's a, there's a Tzad of Tohu, and there's a Tzad of Tikkun. Our job as adults is to sort things out and to commit ourselves to lives of Tikkun, to climb out of the Tohu of childhood and to come to adulthood of Tikkun. We'll talk more about what that means. That's why it's called Tikkun Habriz. Because the main, the main um, area where that war takes place between Tohu and Tikkun is that place of a person's body where there's a transition from 
being by yourself and being able to bring others into the world, the bris. That's the main area where the struggle between toh and tikkun takes place, the area of the bris, that part of ourselves, the bris, koch <coughs> of creation. In that union of creation is a tremendous, tremendous struggle of the light and darkness, birabuvia. So, instead of instead of making the mistake to think that um, Tohu is something that just is a long time ago and now it's all about Tikkun, as adults we're trying to live lives of Tikkun. And we try to overcome the Tohu of when we were younger. But there's, like everything else in the, in the Zohar and the Arizal tell us that there is always a transition period. It's never black and white. It's never Or and Chosha. It's Vahi Erev, Vahi Boker. That's creation. It's always Vahi Erev, Vahi Boker. The time of, of, of transition, that time is a time of a Na'ar, that Taruvis that we spoke about. The Na'ar is a lotion of Taruvis. The Taruvis of, of To and Tikkun, that's the teenage time. That's the, that's the, the life of the Na'ar. That Taruvis between Tohu and Tikkun, all of us, all of us live with the Tohu still being there. And as many times as you go for therapy and whatever Swam you learned, there's always that Tohu that's still at the, at, the, at the core that we all have to work throughout our lives at overcoming and fixing and making order, making Seder. Tohu is not, Tohu does not mean it's essentially evil or bad, God forbid. It's lo masudar. It's not masudar. It's not masudar. That's what Tohu is. It's not masudar. It's like, it's like, it's like when you're, you're moving, so you're moving from one house to another, and you have a truck, and the truck brings like all your stuff, or let's say you're going to have to sell, so you have a lift. <clears throat> right? So you have all your stuff. And and all your stuff is just dropped off at your house. And all the stuff is just there, like in the hallway. It's all the stuff that you have in your life. It's all there. That's called Tohu. In other words, everything is there. I was alone Sudar. You understand? The kid has, the kid when he's 13, 14, he already has, he's beginning, to, he has the hormones already, adult hormones, 14, 15. Things are happening to him. There are certain feelings, emotions, there are certain thoughts. Like the stuff is there. I was alone Sudar. Tohu. It's not Masuda. Tohu is not evil. The, the destroyed worlds are worlds that have in them everything, but it's Alom Sudar. The spheres, but things are not Masudar. Things are not in the proper order. Chesed, Guru, Teferis, Toh only took place in the lower spheres, not in the higher spheres. The union of the Shavis Akim was only in the lower spheres, not the higher spheres. So, everything is there. You moved, your, you moved all your stuff over, the truck dropped off everything, and, and whoever's been in that situation knows what it feels like. You just sit down, and you, you know, so it's supposed to be such a happy time. We moved to the, uh, this is our dream house, and you just want to cry. <laughs> You're looking at all this stuff, and you don't know what the, what, how we're going to do. What we're going to do? We're going to do. A teenager lives like that every single minute of his teenage life. He doesn't actually think about it. I have all of this stuff. Now what? <laughs> what do I do with all of this? I have these urges. I have these needs. 
I have these feelings. I have all of this stuff. I have the same, the same stuff that my father has. I was a But there's no seder. That's called to. That's part of life all the time. As adults, we try to make more seder. That's mature. That's the eighth world. That's the world of tikkun. The purity of ma'avar, v'ha'aretz ha'isa sohovavo, between 13 and 20... Thirty You <laughs> hope that time of thirteen to the chupa, that's a time of tohu vavohu v'aretz chayisa tohu vavohu v'chayshach al pnei sahom, or v'chayshach, or v'chayshach. Many, many, many things, but not knowing what to do with them. What do I do with all this stuff? What do I do with these needs? What do I do with these needs? Like the first time that a boy like notices that a, that, a, that that girl, you know, on the block, like whoa, whoa or her, his cousin. Like, you know, he's playing, he's played, these are the same kid, he played with this cousin all of his life, he's a little kid, and I'll, like, now all of a sudden, the cousin came, like, showed up after the summer, she's like, something, something happened, she's got different shape, something's changed, and he starts to think about different things, and he doesn't know who to talk to about it, he can't talk about it, and he's got all this stuff in boxes, and, and it's like, the boxes are, like, shaking, and, and he doesn't know how to make Seder out of it. <coughs> That's what the teenage time is about, tohu. And our job as parents is to be able to bring him from tohu to tikkun. A lot of it has to do with helping him understand that throughout life there's going to be this mulchama. But to establish clear, direct ways of how to unpack. That's what it means to be a parent. How to unpack and put things in the right place. Sexuality. It's a gewaldic thing. The Bereshlam gave such a gift. It's kedusha. Yesod, yesod. It's unbelievable. All that a person can ever be comes from that kedusha of yesod. But we'll learn this sugi of yesod. We're going to learn it mitzvah. It's a gewaldic box. It says on yesod. And the kid starts to look, and he says, "What's in this box, Daddy?" He says, "No, no, 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 no. Don't look in that box. Why? It says yesod. Yesod means doesn't that mean like the foundation? Yeah, yeah, no, that's not. Don't go there." <laughs> then there's another box that says on it Ahava love and you say oh dad what's in this box no 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 no, no. just uh, yeah. so the kid has all these boxes and there's a lot of stuff going on they have very interesting labels and he's heard some things about what's going on wrong things about what's going on in here our job as parents is that how do we help the kid unpack and everything has to be at the right time and the greatest difficulty we have as parents is that we would like to make everything happen right away. You should be a mature kid. The same way when you, you have some people that come to the house, like, I know I can't stand when things are not misudah. I can't take it. My wife, she should be well. She comes from a home where it was much more laid back. I come from a very rigid European home that, like, if I would drop something, my mother would catch it before it made contact. <laughs> you know? And that's how I was raised. My wife is an American home, like, yeah, you know. I came, when I came to my in-laws, the first thing I saw was like my, when I met my in-laws, my mother-in-law had her feet up on a, like an ottoman. I never saw my parents have their feet up. I never saw that. To me, it looked like this is like the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> what is this? This is not, you know, it's not people don't behave like that. You don't have your feet up. 
Besides, there was no plastic on top of the <laughs> chair, which I really grew up with plastic on my, on all the furniture, it was plastic. And so, and only when certain cousins come, we're allowed to go into the living room. <laughs> and Calipunum, other people come, anybody, any American was just taken to the kitchen. Only other family members were taken to the living room, and then you take your shoes off, and there's a certain, there's a certain dignity and a certain <clears throat> silence and... It was a of walking into the living room. The base of the Kim Nahalaf And I came to my wife. And I, my first feeling was, this is strange, but then, like, after an hour, this is Gavaldi. I'm free. This is, this is freedom. This is freedom. You can put your feet up. You know, you don't have to put your plate away the second you, you know, you're finished. You don't have to even eat everything on your plate. And, and you could just, like, relax, just to relax. So there's something that's very, very exciting about Tohu, and there's something that's very, very difficult when it comes to Tikkun. That's the story of our lives. Our kids are in between those places, and they don't know what to do, and our job is to help them unpack. We'll continue to learn. Hold on to the page. We'll do Rav Kook and the Lesham and Mitzvah next week. I know there are a million questions, but we're just talking about the, the Asaitis. We'll get to it.